Tigers out there in Radio Land, roll your tapes! Alright, welcome to a very special episode of the Jukebox Graduate. This is a side pod, I'm calling it. Because <laughs> as we were taping our ninth episode, we started, Dave mentioned the anniversary of the Darkness on the Edge of Town album and tour, Bruce Springsteen, the Street Band. And we just geek out so much on that that there's no way, it, it just... I'm surprised we don't do this more. <laughs> I, you're right, you're right, you're right. But for this one, I just felt like we should give the listeners the option of tuning in to hear us go into this because this may not suit everybody. It's like the, the parental advisory. It's Springsteen like, content, if it offends you that we talk about it so much, please don't enter. Exactly. That's that's exactly it. So this is this is the conversation Dave and I had about Bruce Springsteen, Darkness on the Edge of Town album, and the tour, and all that surrounds it. Uh, it's, it's a brief one. And you're going to hear some treats in there, too. And we're, yeah, we're going to try Direct from my collection. Because he has everything. <laughs> um, so please enjoy this. It's just a bit of a side episode thing. It, it kind of... We break form a, a we little We promise bit. to do it again sometime. Probably, probably. So please enjoy this and, and share it with any uh, Bruce fiends that you have out there. Thanks. Did you know? Of course you knew. This is the 40th anniversary, my friend. Oh, okay, okay so here's the deal. Uh, One of the greatest things ever. It, ice cream. To me, to me, <laughs> 40, 40 years ago, ice cream was <laughs> Great. So I get this text from my family friend, Rudy Garcia. Rudy Garcia is the guy who introduced my dad to Bruce Springsteen. Rudy Garcia is the guy in Phoenix who camped out overnight so he could wake up and get the tickets for us to see him in concert back in the day. So I get this text from him uh, on Saturday saying, happy 40th anniversary, Bruce (laughs) at the Roxy. And, And I moved into my house 40 years ago today. He did. He so Rudy Garcia. So it was the actual anniversary. And so he was, like, and he says, "Tell your dad tomorrow, happy 40th anniversary." I took him to his first Bruce concert. I uh. hope it wasn't a mistake. Of course, I had responded, "Well, I can promise you it wasn't a mistake because <laughs> I don't know what my life was like with it if you don't take everything changed." <laughs> and by the way, the drummer in King Leg Kelly, he right now he's already complaining that I'm going on on about spring. <laughs> this one's for you, buddy. <laughs> so, just continue pretending to write articles for that drum magazine of yours. <laughs> so, Rudy Garcia had seen Springsteen at the Celebrity in 74. Mm-hmm. Uh, massive fan. Uh, and then, he bought a house. Well, first of all, the day before he has moved into house, he has to host my mom and dad to see Springsteen there in Tempe. This is the show, the 78 show from where we see the Rosalita clip. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. Great. Teenage girls sexually assaulting sure. Bruce at the end. It's it's just fantastic. Mm. Every, please, it's everything you dreamed of. Please, YouTube. Springsteen, Rosalita, Tempe, 1978. And the following night is the show at the Roxy, mm-hmm. which was simulcast... KMET. KMET. And so Rudy in Phoenix, I'm assuming he got a cable feed. He somehow rigged it. So he's oh, moving wow. to his house and taping the show wow. at the same time. Uh, and that was 40 years. So, yes, I was highly aware of the well, actually the anniversary of those two shows, at least. Yeah. So, the, well, the, the Darkness on the Edge of Town album. Yep. 40 years. And the tour. Two, two incredible things. I mean, the album itself made a huge impact 
on me. Did it? Uh, it was just that rain. You know, I like we've talked about it before. I got in during the Born in the USA period. Right. Um, a friend turned me on to him through uh, a Stockholm 81 cassette. Starts bootleg. Through the jungle? Uh, it was the one that Follow had. that dream. Uh, I think it was Follow That Dream. I was already like ingesting all the the seven singles coming off the Born in the USA record, and I was aware of uh, Born to Run and you know a handful of other songs from classic rock radio Some in LA. Stuff, yeah. It wasn't classic rock at the time; it was contemporary <laughs> rock at the time. But um, my first shows ever, Springsteen shows or otherwise, were at the Coliseum in '85 in Los Angeles, the very end of the Born in the USA tour, and. Um, KLOS used to have a thing called the Seventh Day on Sunday nights where they would with play. Uncle Joe Bob Benson. With, yeah, Uncle Joe Benson. You got it here on the Seventh Day. I met him a couple of years Did ago. <laughs> and nothing like seeing that voice coming out of something. Yeah, like I Bob. met him once too, and it was like unbelievable. Wow. I, I felt his I voice to, in the handshake. Those. I used to tape those when I was in L.A. I used to exactly. Yeah, I used to tape the Seventh. And that's day. exactly what I did when Bruce was in town for that stretch at the Coliseum. Uh-huh. All seven albums they were playing that night. Oh sure, were all oh, Springsteen. Wow. Okay. So I didn't have them all yet. So I was I was recording them all. And there was uh, Rita Wilde was DJ at the time. She was filling in and she played uh, the last selection of the night was what she called the Wild album. Uh W-I-L-D-E. Get it, Rita Wilde. Okay. anyway, it was it was her collection of all the scattered Springsteen B-sides and rare tracks. And I think she even threw in that live version of the fever that was sent to radio stations Uh uh, back in the day. But I'm like, wow, this is saving me so much money right now. I'm getting all the B-sides. I don't know because I don't have all the singles yet. And uh, but but that was the time where I, I remember specifically I dove heavy into the Darkness and the Edge of Town album. Hmm. Um, I was aware of it. I had listened to it a few times, but it was that weekend taping all those records. That was the one that, that I jumped out. To you. I played nonstop. Why? Uh, it was just the maturity of it. Um and I think the, the 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 handful of songs from that album that I heard that week at my first shows, I I, I don't maybe it was the live experience mm-hmm. that when I went back to listen to the record it just enhanced it even more. But I just uh, the more and more I listened to it, the more I kind of just fell into those stories. Mm-hmm. And something in the night just still rips my my heart out, you know. And oh, and I've been able to see it live once or twice. Those are those are like top ten moments for me, you know, in, in seeing live shows to to, uh, to, sure. to to be there for a song that has made such an impact on you to see it live and watch everything on that stage as it happens. Uh-huh. Backstreets, of course, whenever I get lucky enough to catch that, that's yep. just like I'm shooting through like a skyrocket through yeah. the clouds. But um, but that record was was really big for me at that time. And um then I started collecting more shows, and the second bootleg tape I got from my friend was Agora 78. So I find myself a quiet place, I kneel down. I say, God, my father wants me to be a lawyer, my mother wants me to be an author, but I got this guitar, you see? And all of a sudden, 
Heard this thunder? Seen this lightning coming out of the sky? It was real quiet for a while. And then I heard just three words. Let it rock! The stories, mm-hmm. right? That was like the introduction to like, I mean, I could have seen any other artist before Springsteen and I probably wouldn't have gotten these great lengthy stories that were just as entertaining as the songs. Mm-hmm. But now these bootlegs are bringing me stories from different tours uh-huh. and that's adding to the song, you know, the, the lore of these songs. And, uh, but that Agora tape, and it was like a media, it was on a normal bias cassette. It was kind of a muddy recording off that, but that was one of the famed broadcasts of yep. that tour. I think there were four or five shows from that tour that were, went out on FM broadcasts. One of which just released, as you mentioned this week mm-hmm. at the Roxy theater. Um, the Agora has also been released finally from the master tapes, but there was Winterland. That's not been Winterland. Not yet, okay. but people are speculating. Oh, with the 40th and you and anniversary, I have, a, I have a disagreement about, well, we'll get into Yeah, we'll get into that. I know, I know where you're going. Yeah. Um, so Winterland was one of them, and people are speculating, oh, maybe by Christmas, because it was the, oh, they, makes were, sense. they were December shows, That's the right. 15th and 16th. That's right. They do Santa um, Clauses, yeah. That, that maybe for the 40th anniversary year, maybe the, the Nugs.net release would be the yeah. Winterland show. Um, Passaic. And I think they, and Passaic was another one, but my absolute favorite, and one that really doesn't get on the map with Here these other four, Atlanta. Fox Theater. Fox Theater, September 30th. <laughs> right? Do I need to go through the set No, list? I'm, just, I'm just happy that there's someone else on the planet who's just <laughs> as sick as I am. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad that I got, I, I'm, I'm sick over a, uh, in, in that way, over a, uh, a somewhat obscure show from the tour. I, I don't People think we love can worry that about, Roxy let's, show let's so much. But in, we to, a moratorium on the word obscurity considering the conversation we're having at all. Right. Okay. Okay. Just a little relevance here. Uh, relativity, I, I should say. Okay. So, um, darkness tour. To, to me, the tour. <laughs> Once you get situated in your chair and chair. cross your leg and, okay, move the mic a little closer. I'm getting in a sanctimony. Can I deal you a grape? So, I remember once during a lull at a, in a hotel lobby, Mitch, our drummer, just like, so, I mean, what's the big deal with Springsteen? Oh, that's like, a, I mean, like, why him? Like, what's, dude, what's the deal? I thought, okay, that's it's a, a trap. It's a fair, no. <laughs> so, but it's a fair question. If you don't get it, then yeah. what is the deal? Why? He knows it's important to you. He just wants to know what makes you tick. Um, Why? Maybe, no, I don't think he wants to know anything about me. I think he just was genuinely curious. as like, oh, so what's the Springsteen thing? You know? Um, oh, just in general? Not what it, not what does yeah, it not, for you? Not as it relates oh, okay. to me at all. Yeah. Just like why that, you know, why. Okay. So, which kind of helps you think, yeah, well, yeah. Why? Why? What's the big deal? <clears throat> so that darkness tour, I I think like if I were to point anyone to why, why at least why I'm a fan, I would point them to any of those shows on that darkness tour. Um, trying to think like what the fan base was at the time. It was like a lot of college age. Even if you see some of the yeah. footage, that's a young guys, some mm-hmm. college age people. Um, still predominantly male. That front row, that Tempe show, notwithstanding. Um. And I think you just had this musician uh, in this newly, maybe rock and roll itself was becoming a little, starting to become a little more codified. We've now agreed upon, we've just recently at that point agreed upon what are our archetypes, what are our, what are our icons, 
what are the things that we share under the banner of rock and roll music? Right. And by 1978, it's not just the kids' music anymore as it was in the 50s and the 60s. It's not just sold along with bubblegum the way a Beatles record was. It wasn't just trash noise. Uh, mostly because of Dylan. Um, certainly by Woodstock. Uh, you, and you saw, <clears throat> to bring them up, Sean and Ah had even, by 6970, mm-hmm. had already begun to look backwards at rock music as some, as some shared thing. One of the guys who I think managed Sean and Ah in the beginning, one of the other Columbia students, Watching the civil unrest with the Vietnam War, the assassinations, um, and even before Watergate comes in, but just saying, our country's going to search for and reach back for a time when we all had shared interests, when we all had common things, just as a matter of security. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Unfortunately, that's not withstanding the, the diminished rights of a lot of Americans. It's something we forget about the good old days, but... Culturally, at least, we all agreed upon who the big movie stars were. We all agreed upon what the fun music was. Right, right. So Springsteen comes along in 78 and takes class consciousness that he had learned from, mostly, I guess, from the records of the animals. We got to get out of this place. Mm-hmm. It's my yeah. life. I'm going to do what I want. Sure. Um, that's what I get a lot on the record. He's yeah. writing about class consciousness. consciousness. And, uh, and obviously, it's a very dry record. There's not a lot of reverb. Yeah. So it owes that, I think, to the punk influence at the time. Because you're coming off of that Phil Spector vibe of Born to Run, sure. now we're going to go really dry. <clears throat> Sorry. And it's the first record back after the, uh, the lawsuit deal Lawsuit as well. delays things a few times. Yeah, a little bit. So um, the tour, obviously, I, I think the, the songs all sound better on the tour than they did on the record, and I, think, I don't think I'm alone on that. Springsteen, yeah, I think they've all kind of agreed. Um, so this tour comes through, and he'll op- he would open up with Summertime Blues or Rave On by Buddy Holly. He would, yeah. good, you know, Good Rock in the Night. Good Rock in the Night. The old- so he would kind of inject these covers, basically, like the glorified bar band yeah, that yeah. it is on stage, um, which is mainly why there's a saxophone on stage at all, mm-hmm. really. It's to kind of help that thing along. You listen to look at a list of all the cover songs he did that they did that year, mm-hmm. and it's sort of like this kind of like a blessing. Like it's okay to like this stuff. We 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 can own this music. Sure, it's not saying it's a thing of the past. It's a part of the building blocks of where we who and come who to. we are. Then we get to the stories, particularly the stuff with about his dad, yeah. and by then the the that relationship's in the songs. Yeah. Again, think of like how lucky those young people were in the audience to have a musician take his time and just slowly tell these very uncomfortable stories that I think were not uncommon to that generation. We're talking about the baby boomers Mm -hmm. who had been born to the, what we now call the greatest generation, the world war two generation, just how, how much they could not understand each other. And here was this guy with a spotlight on him and a microphone yeah, in his hand yeah. just kind of hashing it out. 
the old man, he'd catch me every night and he'd drag me back into that kitchen. He'd make me sit down at that table in the dark and he would sit there telling me. And in the wintertime, he used to, he used to turn on the gas stove so and close all the doors so it got real hot in there. And I remember just sitting in the dark and telling me, telling me, telling me, telling me. And I could always hear that voice. I don't know how long I sat there. I could never ever see his face. We start talking about nothing much. How I was doing. Pretty soon. He asked me what I thought I was doing with myself. And we'd always end up screaming at each other. My mother, she'd always end up running from the front room crying and trying to pull him off me, try to keep us from fighting with each other. And I'd always end up, I'd always end up running out the back door, pulling away from him, pulling away from him, running down the driveway, screaming at him, telling him, telling him, telling him how it was my life and I was gonna do what I wanted to do. Hard world to get a break All good friends have been taken. Again, it's like the feeling I just got right now of realizing there's someone else on the planet that cares about this stuff as much as I do. Those they're like, oh shit, this guy went through a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. At a time when Freddie Mercury or Elton John or Bowie come out, any of the great front men of rock and roll at the time come out, and the whole thing's about what you don't share in common with those performers, right? I mean, mm-hmm. one of them actually just poses as an actual alien <laughs> being. Okay. That's what you were getting in the big rock spectacle show at the time. And here comes Springsteen, mostly playing theaters, really. Yeah. Save for a few markets, Tempe being one where he, yeah. had, to, he had to play a very large place. Satisfied demand. Um, and L.A. But for the most part, you know, going, having actually visited some of these theaters that he played, and you're like, oh, my God, this is a pretty small space. Mm. This is very personal. Yeah, weren't you just up the, well, a few years ago, I think you texted me, you were just Around up the, the street from the, 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 Fox, from the Fox, yeah. Um, and... Uh, one of my favorite, well, you know, because they did Sherry Darling on that tour, which of course wasn't on the Darkness album. Yeah. It gets pushed off to the River album. Put some of the night's heat intro it and talk about frat rock. All right. We got a party song coming up. She's the one. Sherry Darling. Listen, anybody see that movie Animal House? Oh. Oh. Hey, there's a song called Sherry Darling. It's a fraternity rock song. Right. Which the audience has to make twice as much noise as a band. So, And these dudes in the audience, because I have an audience recording, they just lose their, they just lose their minds. Like the best, they're just screaming, right? And you really, that's what that movie Animal House did. It, mm-hmm. it actually said mm-hmm. it back in the early '60s. But that, what that soundtrack did was, was remind people of, yeah, oh yeah, it was. Those are pretty trashy, silly records, but but they mean something to us now, you know. 
And so that darkness tour just kind of just burns through the country. If you and if you look at some of the press, I mean, it just it was reviewed, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, you know, he shaved. He's back. It's been three years. That's <laughs> yeah. I think even uh, there were two singles that charted off the record, and I don't think they even broke the top thirty. He didn't. He didn't want any uh, publicity. Uh, he just wanted to show up in record stores, as he said. Yeah. He didn't want any pre publicity or anything. He and then just, there's the billboard. And then there's the billboard story. As long as we're talking about uh, tour stories, you got to tell me the one about the sign on the Sunset Strip. In, in Los Angeles, they have gigantic billboards advertising yeah. records. There are 20, 30 of them, right? On the Sunset Boulevard, on the Strip. Okay, now what's it? What happened? Uh, it was just real ugly looking. It was real. <laughs> well, what was this? Tell them what the sign was. It was just a sign of the out. I guess it was an advertisement, you know. It's, it is. It's like they put up those big, you know, advertisements. They paint your face real big and and out of shape, you know. Like, I mean, your nose is big enough. It's like they made it about ten feet. It's like ten feet long, and like, it's it's just funny. It was like so I saw. It, I said, man, that thing is ugly. That's the ugliest thing I ever seen. It was know? just a big picture of you. Oh no, it was uh, it was words oh, stuff yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know. Um, so I said, okay, guys, I said, we're going to, we're going to hit the sign, man. We're going to get some paint and we're going to hit the sign. Uh, I don't know if we were a little drunk or what was going on, but we came back home and, uh, I said, well, tonight's the night, you know, let's, it was two or three in the morning. And I said, whoever wants to go and hit the sign, come on, we're going to go now. So we all, Clarence says he wants to go and, uh, it was me and him and Gary and some of the guys from the crew and uh, road manager, we all went down there. We we had bought all this cans of spray paint. And we went down there and uh, the building was wide open and it was vacant. It was real strange. And the elevator was working and everything. Oh, you had to get way up to the top where the yeah, sign was. Yeah, the <laughs> sign was like six stories up and then up on a, Roof on a frame, uh -huh. you know, so. Some of the guys went up the fire escape. They didn't know the elevator was working. <laughs> and we went up and we walked up. We walked up. We figured like there was gonna be a locked door or something. The elevator opened up, went up a flight of stairs, and it was there we were out on the roof, you know, and there it was. It was like just big and bright and like and so we all ran up there, climbed up there. There was a ladder that climbs up to the sign and we just got out the paint and started to started to work on the thing <laughs> and we wrote prove it all night and uh and i wanted to get i wanted to write east street you know get the band's thing up there and then so clarence says well get on my shoulders so like i got on his shoulders and we're like you know six stories up five stories up i'm saying clarence are you tired yet you know <laughs> says no i got you boss i got you so clarence you know i did print, I, I do a letter are you tired yet he says no no i got you i got you like I thought he's because uh, I looked back and it was nothing but the pavement, you know, but uh, it was fun to do. Anyway, so very dramatic. Of course, I came across God, this is way too long already. Um, the first bootleg I had, Rudy Garcia had put in the mail and gave it was a 90 minute, which I now know was the Passaic show the first night. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually it was incorrectly labeled as a Cleveland show or something like that. But it was a condensed, or again, 90 minutes. It was a condensed version of the Passaic show. Uh, but Backstreets slash Sad Eyes is on it. Now, I never heard it. Is it a good? Is it good? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, it was just like nothing was too dramatic for the show at that in 78, right? I mean, just everything. So Backstreet's goes on. It's a long enough song as it is. Yeah. It's about a, about a, a relationship that's too desperate to last yeah. or survive. And then um, towards the end, before the kind of reprise chorus yeah. mm-hmm. thing, it just breaks down to just piano. Uh, and, and Bruce's voice and he and from night to night it changed which is really cool yeah. he kind of yeah. kind of improvs this memory about this relationship he's now the the song Backstreet's is told and he's referring to the girl Terry um, and then at the sad eyes as we now colloquially know it mm-hmm. as we know it he's speaking directly to her and generally, what's happening is he's bumped into her. It's been a while. And he can't help reflect on how she clearly abandons him. And and it culminates with this, we got to stop. And then the band slowly comes in and builds and builds and builds. And, and then and on, one of, on his physical cue on the word stop, the band, everything stops. Everything stops. So for you... My heart stops. The, the Atlanta show... <laughs> The Atlanta show is, um, it's, it's funny. There's like, like you said, it, it changes from night to night or it did change from night to night. But the, if I had a guitar and I was playing that song myself, I was playing Backstreets and I decided to go into the sad eyes thing. I could verbatim recite every line from the September 30th version with every inflection. Well, me too, but I I can't, I can't do that with all the other shows, but I can do the, but say a, September 19th. I just go back a couple of weeks and I, I that's but by the, the time it got to September 30th, there were elements. Cause like I listen, I just listened to the Roxy show <laughs> yeah. and you could hear, you could tell that it was an early oh, yeah, yeah, version of, of it. Some things weren't in there yet. Oh, there's still stuff in 77 though. And then, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, they're really good ones in Boston yeah. too. But yeah, so the part that you're, you're speaking of, everything goes so The band just stops. Right. Silence right. for a moment. But there is a thing at that break because you know that there's several variations of that Atlanta show that are out there. There's um, oh, right, right, there's right. the FM broadcast, which suffered from a lot of interference from a lightning storm that was happening yep. at the time. Um, and there's a version that was recorded and rebroadcast on FM somewhere on the Born in the USA tour oh. while that tour was happening. That version is edited. Uh-huh. Um, so, like for example, the broadcast version when it when he says stop, there is the band is just quiet for a good twenty twenty five seconds, <laughs> yeah. and then hiding on the backs, right. right? And then it you know kicks right back in. But on that rebroadcast version, they trimmed that. Silence. They trimmed it to where like stop. Hiding on the backs. Oh, wow. It was like really quick. Not and I like, I'm like, damn, this sounds good. Sounds better than the broadcast bootleg I've got. But it sound that, quality wise. I, I, I need, lost I need that tempo from that version or else I'm off. And so my hope is that with Nugs.net and all these archive shows that are coming out, um, I, I'm hoping that the Atlanta show comes out and they do it from the master tapes. Mm-hmm. Um People have already tried. There's like three different variations of the Atlanta show that are out there. And there are people that have tried to like pull in all the things. Right. That, that would make to that. make it as good as we can make it with what we've got. And accurate to the, what happened. Yeah. Baby, 
show that's like the, everyone pretty much says that's one of the best shows of his entire career uh-huh. and it's a great great show and it's in such a small that the smallest venue on that tour sure easily uh, easily for sure right so um but the one thing that people just cannot stand adam raised a cane not the performance not the song but when he stop when he has that dramatic break oh the, the radio station and it's there's that there's a lengthy silence again he for dramatic purposes sure. and Bruce and the band are silent and he's probably just standing there frozen oh, yeah. eyeballing the crowd and then whoever the DJ was on KMET comes in says 94.7 KMET Los Angeles Bruce Springsteen and so it's that's the version that's out there and that's on every bootleg yeah, and yeah, everyone's yeah. like Thank God they've mixed that but up. I love him at the end during the before the encore. He's like, "Can this guy rock or what?" Because yeah. like, you, you, there's, there's a breathlessness, like like just what it was like to be in that room. Just like, what the hell just happened to us? Yeah. And by the way, he's gonna come out, and there's gonna be more. So that was also because this is the legend of how long his shows were. This is where all the legends really start to really form. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was saying, so so looking at nineteen the year of nineteen seventy eight. At least young America, they'd, everybody'd really feel like they'd been hustled in a big way. Vietnam, Watergate, you've got the gas ration. I mean, yeah. just the 70s were just kind of were rough if you were paying attention, mm-hmm. right? And um, by November of that year, uh, Jonestown happens. Yeah. I, I mean, just I'm just going to grab things from that year where it's like, oh, oh yeah, God, puts it in like, perspective. So here comes this guy that shares very personal stories. And also, by the way, not to be... A, uh, a somewhat an integrated band. Oh yeah. Um, wisely, you know, it's funny because like he will tell the stories. And he involves mostly Steve and Clarence in oh, the yeah. stories as characters, and they this is so smart. They interact with him, but they don't speak into the microphone. It's very rare you can't even they, they're mugging a lot. Oh yeah, they're acting yeah. it out, but they don't speak, which makes them <laughs> see, it, caricatures of as like I, I sure. got this rock and roll pirate. I kind of got this pimp character over here. Right. There's just these kind of, you know, um, and Springsteen does all the talking, which creates a sense of theater um, that works really, really, really well. Yeah. The way the band, the role of the band, and how they are different, distinct identities um, coming together for this common purpose. It created a. a a small group of heroes. I remember that right. just being a specific thing at the Coliseum shows. Like when Clarence was introduced, it was like you're introducing Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We would build legends. This and is a- he got the, the cheers he got. Oh, it was unbelievable. He could have been elected president in a given year. And last but not least. 
powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Is it the big man? Clarence Clemens on the saxophone. And I really didn't know. I... Clarence Clemens, yeah, okay, that's the guy in the band. I didn't know he had like this history. <laughs> uh, this guy's a freaking legend. Just built it by telling stories. I can tell. Again. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't just Danny Federici. It was right. the Phantom. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, right. just Max Weinberg. The, the mighty, mighty Max. Max. Yeah. Um, his father was a talent. His mother was a talent. Right, <laughs> Gary W. Talent. Gary W. Talent. <laughs> so, just the myth building that happened there. But but personal stories really bombastic, very dramatic music. And then it always going to end on an up note though. Mm-hmm. It was going to end with raise your, raise hand, your hand, twist, your, twist and shout Detroit medley, something like that. Yeah. Just really da- just basic. Keep everybody on the dance floor music. Uh, I mean, again, it's a and let you walk out band. that way. Right. So at a time when there was like, when you walk out and the sun comes up tomorrow morning, it's like, this is probably going to be something awful in the news. And here comes just some sort of, it's what Elvis did, I think, more than anything else. He just was life affirming. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of, it made you feel good to be alive. And Springsteen and his band and that tour managed to put together a set that kind of was able to confront reality. That's what that material was about. Sure. But still have this optimism at the end, you know. As Pete Townsend once said, music's not going to help you solve your problems, but it'll help you dance on them. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Um, so, and of course, because of the, those broadcasts and the way those tapes circulated had a lot to do with, with how people brought their friends to shows on the next tour. Mm-hmm. And that thing built up to Born in the USA tour and that juggernaut. But it was, it's a slow building thing. Um, and of course, we now know because of his memoirs, like, look, this is not a very healthy person up there on stage. You're yeah. seeing this. He had, it's a guy who doesn't want to face reality. That's why we'll do 18 more songs than the average man. But, you know, it all, it all came to that. So, uh, yeah, a lot of Bruce diehards. That's the, that's the tour where everything just comes together perfectly. It's, you know, I, I may have mentioned this before, and uh, we probably should get on the topic of uh, gateway bands or gateway artists for other things. But mm. um, with Springsteen, I really got turned on to a lot of older music oh, that I covers. don't know when I would have come across it next. So, uh, from this tour in particular, you know, the covers were like good rockin' tonight. Yep. I don't think I knew the Elvis version prior to that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I heard this awesome E street band version uh-huh. and who did that. And then right. I tracked down Elvis's version. Um, rave on, believe it or not. I don't recall hearing that on the radio. I was hearing, all the other Buddy Holly hits. Oh, yeah. But I don't think Rave On uh, was played on K-Earth much. And so my introduction to that was through a 78 show. What's funny, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this morning uh, there's a rebroadcast on Howard Stern. He's talking to Gary Busey. And Busey was speaking specifically about in 78, yeah. meeting Springsteen yeah. here in L.A. Yeah. And then eventually in Philly, he, he, go, he, he sits in. Gary yeah. Busey does. I always thought it was interesting watching, of course, the Buddy Holly story movie. That was, that was, that, that was mm-hmm. a real big bang for me. And... I couldn't help but think at the end of the movie, the very last thing is they perform Not Fade Away. It's supposed to be the Clear Lake show. And he does True Love Ways with the orchestra, which is historically couldn't have been more. Right. Yeah, it didn't happen. And then they do Not Fade Away. And the bopper and Richie come out and it's this big and they're dancing around and playing over this Bo Diddley shuffle, essentially. Mm -hmm. Right. And I eventually thought I couldn't help but think that 
Springsteen's performance of She's the One on, on the Born to Run and maybe even the 77 tour. Just that being such a showpiece, it was just so much fun, such an exciting piece. I wondered if that influenced the decision making of how we're going to end this movie on this high note of a concert thing. Oh. And I always wondered if hmm. Springsteen, She's the One in his, in his live show influenced how they ended with the performance in the Buddy Holly story. Yeah. So the crossover, and then Gary Busey says he remembers, as he recalls it, going into Springsteen's dressing room before the show in L.A. And the, but the, not the Roxy show, but the bigger show. He played at the Forum. The Forum. Mm-hmm. And Springsteen's kind of working on his poses into a mirror, like behind a mic stand, <laughs> right? And, and Busey thought, you know, thought, oh, I, I kind of see my stance in the movie as Buddy. I guess he thinks Bruce, he kind of saw Bruce was kind of striking those poses, um, which is legit, probably. You know, like the movie influences Bruce. I think Bruce could have possibly influenced the movie as well. There's mm. just, uh, again, it wasn't like millions of people saw that tour. I just think those that did see that tour went on to inject a lot of what they got from that. Yeah, that's all. I've told people many times. But I haven't told many people, I guess. But mm-hmm. if I had a time machine and I could go back, it would be to the afternoon of September 30th, 1978. Get to Atlanta. Go to that show. That's the one show. I mean, hands down over Woodstock or uh-huh. any any famed show. That's the one start to finish. The energy, the content, the the music I got turned on to through that show. I yeah. think they opened with Good Rockin' Tonight on that one. Yeah, um, uh, I think that's right. You you were really cool, by the way. I should mention you were really sweet. You actually made this. this oh yeah, huge, I forgot about that. How would you describe it? Uh, it's a little disc folder, right? Yeah, a the, disc folder. Thank you. Of uh, pretty much every recording possible from that tour, all the newspaper clippings, uh, photos, whatever. I mean, yeah. I just have like the year of nineteen. I get my daughter's pediatrician. Uh, studying at Notre Dame that year, and remembers she and her now husband going to whichever show would have been closest to uh, Terra Hout. I don't know. I have to look it up. Mm. And I think to myself, oh, I, sh- I should burn that one for her. Oh, yeah. Says, oh, here, by the way. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most complete version of the Darkness Tour uh, in collector's hands. Uh, by the way, I just uh, I forgot to tell you, I just recently acquired about 150 shows I didn't have. Huh? From everything from like 70, 74, uh some oh, so actually, there are some missing shows from '78 that I just got as well. So I'll have to well, bring Jesus, to, David. to fill those gaps in. But yeah, you can never have too much. I mean, I won't be alive long enough to listen to all these ones through. But, you know, I like to know that they're there if I need to go to them. Yeah, for better. I remember uh, once up staying up really late texting with Jess from Midland, and we were talking about I don't know inspiration or what. And I got, if I remember this correctly, I got tired and I just sent him the YouTube link. Some 78 live footage and it's like here's a rabbit hole like, don't, don't ask me just watch this you know one other thing I was going to bring up too from this darkness period we haven't talked about the outtakes as he was very prolific at this time yeah not not only did the album come out mm-hmm. and a great tour with some unreleased tunes but the tracks box set yeah as well as that darkness uh, deluxe edition that came out you're getting to hear songs like Spanish Eyes Don't Look Back of course The Promise which is one of the you know, his most heralded unreleased mm-hmm. songs. Johnny works in a factory And Billy works 
Um, but then all the songs that he gave away from that period. Because the night, Rendezvous. Hearts of Stone. Hearts of Stone. Fire. Fire, yeah. I'm driving in my car I turn on the radio I'm pulling you close You just say no You say you don't like it But girl I know you're alive Cause when we kiss on fire It's like Wow. Throw away. He, he was just learning he was learning how to write inside of a genre really, really well. Yeah. And and especially to go in the river, he, like you said, like, like I felt like I needed a couple more up tempo rockers. So he just went off and wrote them. It was like yeah, an assignment. Like, there's like what are what are all the songs from the river from this tour that he um oh, the ties it bind. Right. Independence Day for sure. Okay, that, Independence Day, point blank, ties it oh, bind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Sherry, Sherry Darling. Darling. Yeah. Already in the works. Had a lot of tunes. He wasn't doing anything else. Right. He had no hobbies. He had no relationship. <laughs> no hobbies. Nothing. He just like just music, music, music. Maybe, music. If, he, maybe if he's into music. Yeah. He didn't <laughs> have his own line of clothing. No soft drinks. You know. Just not even Bruce Juice. I have that. Have you seen that that <laughs> pen? Cream magazine. <laughs> Is that where that's from? I, I want to say it had. I, d- I didn't get it from there, but I had I had a Bruce Juice pen and um, I had it for a while. I didn't get it from back when it was manufactured but I came across it I thought that's pretty cool because it's got the 78 or 77 Bruce with the messed up hair and the you know and he's on a he's on an orange can you know presumably a, a, a alcoholic beverage of some kind it says Bruce juice there are lots of ways you can enjoy Akadama red wine you know that eh? right you can drink it chilled you can drink it on the rocks with ice and soda you can pour it all over your face Akadama red wine makes a fine sangria, it says right here. You can own one square of English earth. Oh, wrong commercial. Uh, Akadama red wine and orange juice is one of the better ways to start the day. Goes great with apple juice. Yeah. Ginger ale. Yeah. Tonic water. That's all they have time for anyway. How am I doing, fellas? That's great. That's pretty good. Instead of calling, we're only halfway through the commercial. Well, you, eh? That's all the time they paid for. <laughs> Must so now read. Just, it just says read here, this at the bottom. Redone. These guys are going to be mad. Uh, Akadama wines are imported. Oh, this part. And don't forget to pass the Akadama meme. They spelled, <laughs> they spelled it wrong. Yeah, they spelled it wrong. It's imported by Suntory International. They used to be one of our sponsors. Uh, what better authority on wine than Bruce Springsteen to surprise us here? You, you've drunk a, a bottle of wine in your time, Bruce. No, I hate wine. Don't like wine? <laughs> okay. I wore it uh, on my shirt when I went to see Bruce in 2012 in at Auburn Hills. And... Uh, I got several compliments that night on that pin. Of course you did. <laughs> Where else are you going to get a compliment on it? Exactly. I think that's exactly why I wore it. It's like nowhere else. Just tonight. Just My here. tribe. Right. So uh, anyway, it's just a beloved album, a beloved tour, a beloved era. And it uh, still means so, so much to me. Oh, and, 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 and by the you. way, this is, I don't know if I've told the story, but, but you know, when I got my, my, my Jeep, it came with Sirius for the first year you get it for free. And of course, like two days in, I realized I've, I'm going to subscribe. Just yeah. here's, here's my credit card. <laughs> and I, I told my wife, I said, I've lived long enough. It's clear. I've, I've clear. I've clearly somehow the, the world caught up to 
my dreams, my needs, not just because of what I get to do for a living. There's that alone. Yeah, should be. there's not that. just because of this great kid that we have, and not this because podcast. And oh, you, I'm sorry. Yeah. And, and, and you in the podcast, you didn't let me finish. Um, but, you know, again, the, the depths being in Yuma, man, you had to beg people. You had to write letters. I was like, more, how can I get more bootlegs, more live recordings? And, and you know, there was no swap meet in Yuma that was going to have that stuff. So I went to a major town, like a city like Phoenix or San Diego. You went to a record store and hoped that they had that little section. Yeah. Um, and if the quality was bad, you couldn't return it. Everything was illicit, right? But it was just these. You kind of knew it was a gamble. Yeah, yeah, you bought into the gamble. So, and I would listen through terrible, terrible. And people would complain about listening to tunes on your phone now with MP3s. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you have no idea. Yeah, you don't the know. Crappy quality I grew up. There, listening was, to. there was a uh, a YouTube bootleg on CD that I got once. <clears throat> it was a recording of a sound check. Sure, exactly. And uh, so it was already like outside the venue. I think <laughs> it's through walls. <clears throat> it was called the get the, So it was called the Hershey tapes. Okay. And that's a good name for what those tapes sounded like. Yeah. So, but now I hop into my, my car and I turn on the radio and a Springsteen concert, beautifully mixed. Yeah. It's just playing. Every day. Just the, the Agora show, or as the Greeks would call it, the Agora. Um, <laughs> the Passaic show. In fact, I, so my daughter is into this series of books, this fantasy books about dragons called Wings of Fire. So whenever she mentions it, or I see the cover of it, what do I do? Wings of fire. I, I do this really dramatic. And then she said, Dad, it's not called that. I said, well, yeah, well, you haven't heard the September 19th, 78 Passaic show version of Streets of Fire. And then Sunday night, as we were cleaning up after dinner, I just put on the channel and what's playing. And I said, okay, now you're going to sit your ass down and you're going to listen to this. And she actually listened to the, the September 19th Streets of Fire. And she said, okay, I get the appeal, but... He doesn't say wings. Okay, but I broke your spirit a little bit. That's the important part. As a father, that's actually what counts. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's just crazy. You go in there and, and just, yeah, any any shows from 74, 70, all the years, man. They, but, but playing yeah. stuff from the darkness tour, it just means something to me. That's a sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, it's a sweet spot. Oh, they'll just play a singular tune. They have to play a whole show. Yeah, that's fine. They just yeah. drop in a show. They just drop in Because the Night from <clears throat> the, like the Winterland show. And just like, yeah, perfect. And uh, if you guys are even remotely interested, and if you if have not done so yet, at this point. please check out Tom Zimney's wonderful documentary, The Promise. It's the uh, documentary, the making of the album, Darkness in the Edge of Town, and everything around My it. My only complaint, and I'd say this. You is haven't seen it yet? Tom, we're here. Uh, no, I have seen it. I've so seen Tom's it. not here with There's us. There's just not enough about the tour. I know that's not the job mm. of it, but, but here's the thing. Yeah. I, I remember uh, having a conversation with a French music writer, God, when I was like 19 or 20, and... and and he was saying how with Dylan, Neil Young, and Springsteen in particular, a lot of bootlegs of the live stuff with those guys. You know, big, amongst traders, those are huge. Mm-hmm. And his take was that because with those artists, you can make the case that the songs aren't finished just because they recorded them and put them out on an album. There's little tweaks. There's little things that they can do. In fact, 
I when I hear racing in the street at the end of it, I need the story and I need Thunder Road to be linked up with it. Yeah. They're just inseparable to me. Yeah. Or if I hear a bootleg of some other show from another uh, from a, some other tour, and I hear any either of those songs separately, I think, yeah, this isn't right. This is messed up. Um. Also, real quick about the darkness thing. Oh, this is gonna go. Fuck. This is gonna go long. This is a two part. It's a God three hour it. show, folks. I Imagine up, the playlist. I was a big John Steinbeck kid. My mom had yeah. John Steinbeck novels. Grew I grew up reading those things. And my take on the way darkness worked as an album. And and the way they did that material live too. So if you remember, like East of Eden, you ever read it? I did not. Okay, so it's it's a book about men who can't communicate with each other. Very very anguished father son. Of course, using the Cain and Abel. There's yeah. a good son. There's mm-hmm. a bad son. Da da da. So the way Steinbeck and I haven't read this in quite a while, but as I remember, there'd be long long passages describing in detail the topography of. The Salinas area, that Central Valley, that part where this where the the book takes place, and that part of California. Mm-hmm. I mean, just about the trees and the the color of the grass and the wind, and just like these long, long strands of just description. And then the next chapter would just be a conversation at a kitchen table, and it'd be such a specific little conversation, and. Not these drawn out, bombastic things necessarily, not all the time, but it was almost like a camera had done this long panoramic mm-hmm. shot of the terrain, and then it narrows in for this brief zooms in through the window that moment change. between two human beings. Mm-hmm. So it gave this epic scope to these very small moments mm-hmm. in these people's lives. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. The way racing in the street, mm-hmm. that elegate, I'm, I'm mis- I'm pronouncing that word, elegaic piano melody. And they take up, there's just these long passages of this simple little melody being played gracefully. And then it just zooms in on and this guy in his car. And then it zooms back out to yeah. more piano music. And it goes, and then it, when it comes back, it's about this guy, his car and this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and prove it all night. The live version with the long, long, long guitar sure. solo intro. I think he's, that's just the way of creating this larger scope yeah before he sings about this man and how much he'd love to prove himself to this woman in his life. Uh, It's a lot of guys trying to prove themselves all the time. Um, And that I think probably resonates with you and me Mm -hmm. with a lot of young men that came across these tapes. And then of course the vulnerability of backstreets, sad eyes, just this really open moon, these moments. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, night after night uh, on that tour with the the Backstreet Sad Eyes thing. I just uh, it, it was you knew what you were getting essentially, but the embellishments were different every night. New things mm-hmm. were being added in, and to me, it was always like uh, I, every time I listen to those, it's like those painters on stage, you know, with a band, oh, and you're just watching it. something develop. <laughs> You know, you know what the song is. The tweet, but then in <laughs> Winterland, because it's a, it's a it's a December show. You know, he's like, I drive all night just to just to buy you a, a Christmas present. Right, right. Just a little jokey <laughs> aside. I love the the uh, she's the one thing uh, where he gets really mad. I get mad. I get mad. Floyd. 
Smoking Joe. I yeah. love the Joe Frazier <laughs> reference. But the Popeye thing's the joke, right? But also, the show had a lot of humor. Goofy humor. Yeah. But a lot of humor. So it was just kind of, you know, just everything was thrown. It was a very kitchen sink sort of thing, but but laser focus. Also on, real. You know, and I, yeah, people could really just connect with it on a lot of different levels. Yeah. You know, if you just wanted to connect with music and just rock, mm-hmm. it was there. I'm so grateful, by the way, that, that, that cassette, that, you know, 90-minute condensed version of that Passaic show that I just memorized you still have it uh yeah i still have the 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 cassette itself yeah i still have in a box but what you know this is why i love being alive in the 21st century is that and believe me i do this more often than i like to admit usually can't go to sleep on the bus or something like that put the headphones on the ipad go on the youtube and there's the in-house footage of that show Mm. and there's i played the visual of that over and over in my brain and now there's, there's, there it is. There's, in fact, during Streets of Fire in the second verse, and I hear somebody call my, the line, I hear somebody call my name. He backs off the mic and yells something. To this day, I have no idea what the hell he's yelling. <laughs> Even when I look at the footage, I see he's just yelling, he's just like, just yelling something. I don't know what the guy's talking about, but it's captivating. And there's a lick he plays in the Kitty's Back solo. He, well, a guitar player would call, he goes outside harmonically he it's this weird jazz move he does mm-hmm. and when he and as a, i remember i had of course i had to learn that lick when i was a kid because it was just so <laughs> weird and i have no evidence of bruce ever playing that outside even back in the steel mill days and all those it's this one time he does this weird move which just was like why did you just do that a little more because it's really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Then watching the footage, when he gets that lick, trust me, I couldn't wait to watch that footage and watch him play that lick. Yeah. And he's looking at Steve and smiling when he does it. <laughs> so I don't. It's an in joke or, yeah. or just hey Steve, watch this, you know. But there's something about those like even yeah he knew it, it wasn't an accident. That was I, thought, <laughs> I wonder if he just accidentally like landed somewhere and tried to get himself out of it. It's like no, he's clearly playing that lick on purpose. Yeah. Um, Anyway, yeah, is it, I, this is this honestly could probably just just this darkness thing right here could just be like a side episode, it probably, and a J, just a side episode that like it make let them listeners if you choose if you want to just <laughs> if you want to just hear us embarrass ourselves then you can listen to this little side segment of uh, I don't know what you call it but yeah it's like a side pod. <laughs> Because I, because hey, I'll just never shut up. Yeah, we. This, this is when Gene and I first met. I mean, um, my girlfriend at the time, just like you guys, because <laughs> that's all we were just talking Springsteen. And then you went back in for your next set. And you came out and we talked Springsteen. <laughs> right up. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it continues today. All right. Just a reminder: you can find us on Facebook, the Jukebox Graduate. We've got a page there where that's pretty much where most of our updates are happening on a regular basis, almost daily. Lots of links, photos, and random information that you'll find valuable. Also, find us on Twitter at the Jukebox Graduate. That's the with two E's, the Jukebox Graduate for the latest updates and announcements. Uh, also, our home site, www.thejukeboxgraduate.com. The Jukebox Graduate is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Alexa, 
Google Play Music, Stitcher, Overcast, and more. So we could keep going on about more specifics. We can go on about how the engine specs on the the Camaro in Racing in the Streets doesn't actually wrong. work. Yeah, they're wrong. That, that, any, yeah. any gearhead will tell you that that's that's way off, but it doesn't matter. Even I'd tell you that because, and I don't know how, to, I know how to turn on a car, but I mean, what, I know that's wrong. What matters is that the character tells you what's under the hood of his car, and that's as, that's as open and vulnerable as he could possibly be. See, that's the important part. Yes. All right. So anyway, we could mention that. We could mention all sorts of other arcane trivia about the thing. But um, but, but while we've got you here sure. listening, uh-huh. if, uh, you know, as a listener, you thought this was a very entertaining sub episode and you want to suggest further Springsteen oh. sub episodes, <laughs> this may turn into a sub episode. <laughs> just be Bruce, because I mean, we could do a Costello one and we, we have enough. But uh, it's just it's 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 just trying to keep it. Uh, from not being too much of you and I just looking inside our own jacket pockets necessarily, but trying to just kind of expose a little more about just how goofy we can get about some of this stuff. Yeah. And, and Springsteen 78 is certainly a, um, a high uh, point for us. It's glorious. Look, there's film people that would go on about <laughs> Jaws or um, I'm sure there's, you know, car people that could go on about. Oh yeah. And they do the, the original. Yeah. So, this is just our version of that. So, yeah, but if you have suggestions, by all means. Yeah, this was fun. All right, this was fun. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, James. Thanks.